welcome to Her Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is usually a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. But in these special bonus episodes, we are talking about the His Dark Materials TV series on BBC and HBO. Beware, these episodes are not spoiler free and may contain spoilers for the original HDM trilogy. So if you haven't read them all, pop back when you're all caught up. This week we are discussing Season 2, Episode 7, Asa Hetra. Well, hello! Well, hello. This is quite an episode, isn't it? (laughs) It truly is. And before we get into it, we just want to say, if we sound a bit strange in your ears, it's because we are not at our usual places of residence, so we've had to improvise with a very shit mic from Amazon and Rachel's laptop mic, so we might sound a bit shitter than usual. Yeah, it's going to be potentially a slightly shaky episode audio-wise and also emotions-wise, so we'll have to see how we go. (laughs) I might cry. That's an option. Like, that could happen. Mm -hmm. I've seen this episode three times now and I've cried every time. I weirdly haven't cried, but... I don't usually cry at anything. <laughs> I don't usually cry at anything, Rachel his. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, no, I do cry quite a lot. I I mean, especially this year, but I'm not usually one to cry at TV when it's sad. I tend to cry at TV when it's happy and makes my heart burst with joy rather than... <laughs> yeah. I struggle to cry... Well, actually, it's been better since I've started therapy, but I struggle to cry about real life things and get my crying out through sad things on TV and film. <laughs> nice, nice. Mm, so I always cry. I only have to see... I went on Disney Plus the other day just to like see what was on there. And I only have to see the thumbnail for Coco and I cry. <laughs> I mean, that film is incredible. So, you know. <laughs> uh, it's on on Christmas Day, by the way. Today. If you're listening to this today on Christmas Day, Coco is on BBC One if you're in the UK. I think it's around 3pm. I just remember watching that with you on the riverside cinema at some near St Pancras in the summer and it was like the hottest day of the year we slathered ourselves in sun cream like factor 100 and I watched that film and it was like so lovely and it is very much a thing of days gone by being able to just like show up to somewhere with a large crowd <laughs> absolutely that was a fun day and I'm very surprised that we didn't get burned and like we sat in the sun for like three hours like directly in the sun I think that's the most I've ever sat in the sun for Yeah, yeah, same. I usually am the pinkest person after things like that. If you are celebrating Christmas today and you're listening to this on Christmas Day, then Merry Christmas! Yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we hope that you have managed to make your festivities as festive as possible this year. We know for a lot of us in the UK, a lot of our plans have had to change very last minute because everything's a shambles of course uh, so we just hope that you have managed to find a way to make your day as festive as possible and to be in touch with your loved ones even if you can't see them in person because blimey what a year <laughs> and i would personally like to go on record and just say fuck the tories absolutely fuck the tories yeah i just feel really shit for people who have been absolutely scuppered by this if we'd have known at the beginning of december then there'd be a lot more people that actually have viable plans where they're based and hadn't planned to travel etc people's plans wouldn't have been turned on their heads and i just think it was a really shitty move to do this less than a week before a lot of people had planned to be in different places and well done to everyone who has stuck by the rules and done what's safe and gone about their festive period and the way that's safest for everyone because it's just it's really hard and we're all gonna get through it and be as merry as we can (laughs) i guess hopefully rich and i talking in your ears for an hour about a very emotional episode of tv will help your christmas day if you're on your own maybe you could go and have a little sit down and listen to us and maybe we'll bring you some joy or we could all just have a big cathartic cry together i'm i'm down Either or. <laughs> or both, you know? We can have a bit of both. Rich, can I tell you a little story about when I got lost in the woods? Yes, please. Please do. So I went to meet Johnny. You know Johnny. Musical stylings, Johnny. We all know Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> and I 
know the way to his house. I know it like the back of my hand. And I was walking up there. It's like a really main road. And I was like, oh, I really don't want to walk all the way because it's like an hour on this main road because it's really noisy. And I was trying to listen to the Gailey Prophet. And I was like, oh, I wonder if there's some fields that I could go down. So I like Google mapped it. Google Maps is like, you can go through these fields. And I was like, sure, okay, I'll figure it out. I've been through many a field before. It can't be that difficult. So I started walking through this field and then forgot how much it had been raining recently. And it was muddy as fuck. And I was wearing my Doc Martens, slipping all over the fucking shop. I slipped and grabbed a barbed wire fence. Luckily, it wasn't the barbed part of the barbed wire fence, but that was a fucking close call. Yeah. And then a horse came at me. The horse was like behind the barbed wire fence. And it was, I don't really like horses anyway. I just think. Rude. They're going to get us back one day for us fucking riding on them. Right. And I don't want to (laughs) be in that situation when that happens. So the horse was behind the barbed wire fence and it came over to like have a look at me. Right. Which is fine because it's a horse. But, like, it came so far towards the fence that its entire head took up the, the path. Like, it was, like, leaning over. I had to, like, skirt round this horse. And it was trying to sniff me. And I was like, fuck's sake. <sighs> he just wanted to find out if you had any carrots. I did not have any carrots. I did not. <laughs> so I carried on. And, like, it was so muddy to the point where I was like, I'm just going to get stuck in this mud. And I'm going to have to, like, phone someone to come and get me. And then... I managed to make it through all the mud and I got to where like Johnny's estate is and like I could see the houses but I couldn't get to them like all the paths that I were going down were taking me the wrong way and like Google Maps wasn't helping anymore and I was like I'm just gonna have to live in the woods now I'm gonna be able to see civilization but never be able to get to it (laughs) you'll be a witch your business will be with nature (laughs) exactly exactly and I sent Johnny this voice note which was like Hi, Johnny. Um, I'm going to be a little bit late because I am stuck somewhere behind your estate. I can't find the road. And Johnny phoned me and he was like, I don't know how to help you right now. And I, but I managed to find a road, but it was like way far down from like where Johnny's was. And I was like, for fuck's sake. And then me and Johnny went on a big walk and I ended up walking like 15 miles. And I got back yesterday and I was like, fuck me, my legs. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> I sent Rachel a very similar voice note, which was like, Rich, I slipped on some mud, nearly grabbed a barbed wire fence, nearly got attacked by a horse. I got lost and now I'm going to live in the woods. I too have been spending a lot of time outdoors. It's been very, very nice. I've slipped over just once and it was nowhere near as dramatic as yours. But I feel like that's just the hazard of being anywhere where it is raining and also very nice and green. This is our last episode of 2020 and it's been quite the year so we just want to say a thank you to listening to us and it's been a really good year for us podcast wise and we wouldn't have been able to do it without you guys and yeah we just really appreciate you and this podcast has definitely been the silver lining on a shit year for us so thank you for making that happen absolutely if it wasn't for this podcast i would have just really not survived lockdown and it's been really beautiful and just seeing everything grow over the last couple of weeks with season two airing and like inviting having more people joining our little podcast community has been really beautiful and like the highlight of my year it's been so great absolutely on to other very important things did you have any snacks i did not or did i <laughs> or did i did i just forget my snacks i think i had like a couple of lint chocolates but i didn't have any like specifically planned snacks because i knew that snacks would be a distraction from me being absolutely glued to the screen so there's that (laughs) did you have any good snacks i also didn't have any snacks mostly because i'd just eaten like a massive sunday roast and some cheesecake oh yeah i did have some cider though had a had a little can of a can of cider so that was fun nice Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. but yeah no no snacks but i was definitely full i did have some percy pigs in the cupboard and completely forgot about them so they're still there so when i eat them i will think about the show and the podcast yes yes amazing shall we get into the most emotional hour of our lives Ah, if we have to (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna have to happen i'm so sorry before we start talking about the episode properly would you like to know some things I found out for, uh, from Jack Thorne when he did a Twitter takeover of his star material. Yes, please, please tell me all your Twitter knowledge because you're so much better at Twitter than I am. 
Okay, so I'm just going to go through my list. The Amber Spyglass, the series, it fits nicely into eight episodes and won't be split into two seasons. Ooh, that's good. Interesting to know. And then some bits about uh, season two. So somebody asked what the biggest change they would have made if they knew from the beginning that they'd only have seven episodes and no Asriel. And they said they would have established the knife story differently, which I thought was really interesting. So we would have seen a different knife story. Jack said it was the biggest headache when they found out that they only had seven eps. They had to, like, reestablish the story of the knife. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to get my head around, like, what we could have found out about the knife that we didn't or that we found out differently. I think it might have had something to do with the guild because uh, he mentioned in a couple of tweets that in the scrapped... Asriel episode that got scrapped because of COVID. They'd like fleshed out the guild more. So I think it might have had something like gone down that route and had more to do with that. A couple of episodes ago, it might have been last episode, I can't remember, but we got the like Lord of the Rings style like narration at the beginning, didn't we? About the guild and stuff. That's true. Maybe that was had to be like shoehorned in. Yeah. The last thing that I found out, which I thought was of interest, was Asriel's speech at the end was taken from the scrapped COVID script, which we kind of assumed and was filmed after lockdown, so it would have been filmed way after the actual rest of the season was filmed. Jack was like, oh, uh, James McAvoy was like kind enough to come in. I won't say it here, I'll talk about that scene when we talk about it, but I do have some feelings about it. Mm-hmm. 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 So there it is, there you have it. The, those are the interesting things that I learned from Jack Horn. Well done on your scouring of the Twitters. I always appreciate it when you do that because I'm so bad at it. <laughs> Okay, so my first note is, why have I now seen this episode three times? Oh my god. So many emotions. Three times over. So that's fun. This is what we're doing for you. This is the dedication to the cause that is this podcast, is that we've put ourselves through this emotional roller coaster three whole times for you. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I might just have to resign. This might be it for me. I don't think I don't think I could do it anymore. It's too emotional. This was a lot this episode. We're gonna try and keep it quite light because I think everybody needs a nice light podcast episode from us this week. So I think don't think that we're taking things too flippantly because we're very deliberately trying not to cry. Uh <laughs> I'll try my best, Rich. It might happen anyway yeah we'll try it's a big episode it's an emotional episode and oh my god so much happened and i was amazed how natural it felt despite the fact that there was so much going on to say we got two deaths within like 10 minutes i'm gonna say on paper that seems outrageous right that seems like no way would that work but it did work i did feel like we didn't have enough time to recover between the two of them, but I think that was the point. It's like when they kicked Pan in the stomach and cut Will's finger fingers off within 10 seconds, except for instead they <sighs> killed Lee Scoresby and killed Joppery within 10 minutes. Oh, and a witch as well. <laughs> oh, two witches, actually. This is a very death-filled episode. Well, they didn't die, did they? They got spectered. That's true. Is that worse than death? We don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, our previously on was pretty standard, all the most dramatic bits that we've just got to remember and kind of a little bit of nostalgia for the rest of the season. And then our entire pre-credit sequence is witches, witches, witches. Yeah. <sighs> it's interesting, like, the nearly the witch that nearly got spectred, uh, she said, life or death meant nothing, which I thought was in- this was an interesting dialogue from her, which I liked. And then my next note is when we cut to Ruta. Ruta Scardi is me yesterday after I did that 15 mile walk because she's just like laid on some rocks. <laughs> yeah. We imagine that that's a scene that they probably filmed for the Asriel episode, the like episode eight that we never got. And so it's really interesting how they've, I, w- I wonder if the cliff guests had that conversation especially for us because we didn't get that extra episode like a nice little bit of rooters on her travels and we managed to film this kind of thing yeah definitely there's a lot of moments in this episode actually um and i know we'll talk about seraphina and rooter but that bit as well where they have a conversation about asriel and what he's up to i imagine that was put in to give us the context from the Asriel episode. And it makes me think that Ruta would have been probably featured really heavily in that episode, which uh, I'm kind of sad to have lost because I would have loved to have seen more of Ruta Scardi. Especially because they seem to have not lent particularly heavily on the fact that Ruta and Asriel in the books have canonically had a relationship. In the TV series, that doesn't seem to have materialised. And so I would love to see Ruta's headstrong 
like fierceness against the TV series Asriel and like see how that relationship pans out without there being that like canonical relationship because I don't think that she's mentioned it in the TV series. I feel like she might have mentioned it once at the very beginning but I could be wrong because at the very beginning we were also reading those book chapters so I might have it might have infiltrated into my brain but even if she mentioned it once it hasn't been highlighted again. Yeah <laughs> that's true. I uh, I really hate the cliff gas. I hate them. I love them. It feels so Lord of the Rings. It feels so like Mordorish and I I love it. My big Lord of the Rings nerd heart sings when the cliff guests talk in their like gross little language and oh, I love it. I don't hate them. They look amazing. They, they're doing the job right. I hate them because they're gross and horrible. I don't hate them as characters. I even love them as characters because they're such like gossipy bitches. They are gossipy And I love that it's a thing that Philip wrote into the books. It's like cliff guests are gossips. <laughs> I really like the shot of like Ruta walking underneath them when they're all like crawling above her. I think that scene was done well. And yeah, definitely very Lord of the Rings. I really liked it, yeah. My note for the credits was, this is the last new credit sequence we'll have for at least two years. Oh, don't say it, Faye. Stop trying to make me cry. I'm sorry, (laughs) I'm sorry. So we have um, Pan and Will having a little conversation, which is so fucking cute. I love it so much. I love that Pan's like, Lyra thinks that you're as brave as Yorick. Oh. Oh. We love a mention of Yorick. We do. And Will saying that Lyra's the best friend he's ever had. Like, it hurts. It's so sweet and so heartfelt and just, yeah, we love that, like, Will and Pan get to have chats. Oh, it's so so nice. (laughs) I noticed as well that we get more of Pan in his ermine form this episode and I think it's supposed to like call back to like a younger Lyra because like in season one we had him in that form so much but also the other thing I was going to say is obviously they have that conversation a little bit later on about changing which is really cute do we think that in the TV series Pan is going to settle as as that form and that's why we're seeing him more as that form this episode oh potentially also, as you were saying, like Pan was that form quite a lot early on, and Pan's going to have this conversation with Lyra about how he isn't sure how he feels about changing. So perhaps he's wanting to feel younger, and so he's being a form that he was a lot last year because his panda form is very much a season two form, and he's kind of being season one Pan because he doesn't want to grow up. Oh, oh, oh my oh. god! <laughs> Lee and Joppery survived the balloon crash. We are very glad about it. Yeah. Yeah. It is still a dire situation and we just get some lovely like Hester and Lee chats where Lee's like, This is it, we're like insects on the face of the earth now, no more flying for us and Hester's like, Lee, you couldn't be an insect if you tried and like just really feeling the love for Hester and Lee. Yeah, you know why? Yeah, they're really just gonna fucking rip our hearts out later, aren't they? Yep. <laughs> Killing us with this fucking Lee and Hester cuteness because they know what's coming and they want to hurt us. <sighs> Yeah. It did make me sad, though, when Lee was like, I'm no longer an aeronaut. And also, I was like, sorry, but like, is that a little bit dramatic? Because it's like, you could get a new balloon. doesn't mean you're not an aeronaut anymore. Yeah, an aeronaut's who you are, not what vehicle you happen to be in possession of right now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's in your heart, not in your balloon. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful, Rich. It's beautiful. (laughs) I just... I have a way with words, okay? You do, you do, you do. <laughs> My next note is, Coulter, please don't sniff Lyra's stinky coat. Oh, oh, but she's gonna. She's gonna. She's gonna, yeah. I love Coulter walking through that space and kind of feeling, like the moment you see her arrive in that little courtyard that we've seen Lyra and Will sit in a few times and you're like, oh, she's in their space. And then she like walks through the house and you're like, she's she's in their space like this is Lyra and Will's place and why is Coulter here and then when she like gets the coat and you're like oh don't sniff it it's gonna be rank and then she sniffs it (laughs) I really love that and like just the closeness of everything and like we were saying last week like the interlocking of all the different parts and the slightly misconnections are gonna be really they're gonna stab us in the heart this episode I think (laughs) yeah and I think for me as much as I love Coulter interacting with other characters I also I like have a real love for Coulter on her own, like just Coulter and the monkey. And you get a lot of that this episode. She is pretty much on her own, apart from when she's like fucking 
specterine witches or kidnapping Lyra. She's, um, yeah, she has like an interesting conversation with the monkey, which we'll get to. And it's just nice, just because Ruth Wilson's so captivating that she can hold an audience from literally being shot from the back, walking down the street. You're like, oh my God, this is riveting stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She is, um, just consistently iconic throughout. <laughs> I think we can agree. We can all agree on that. Serafina sends a couple of the witches to check on the kids that they scared off the other day and they think they spotted some adults in the town and that they need warning about the spectres who do the witches think they are that they're (laughs) gonna go warn people about the spectres it's like for all they though these people live in this world and they already know about spectres like most of the other people they're the ones that don't know about spectres (laughs) the witches have like massive like protection vibes this season and obviously we know that's because they want to protect Lyra but also they think they know about this world when they clearly don't have a clue yeah I mean I think it kind of says everything that they're like we're gonna go and warn people about the spectres and then two out of the three of them get spectered by the end of the episode like (laughs) I do I think I said this last episode but I do love this little witch crew though and I'm glad we're getting more of the witches and like they're having their moment yes more of is it Lena and Raina? I think so. Or is it Lana? It's like L A N A. I think. I definitely at one point Serafina said it, and I was like, "Oh, they rhyme." <laughs> I wonder if they're sisters. I hope they are. They're probably not. I mean, they're all sisters, really. Isn't that what being a witch is about? So <laughs> we have uh, Mary dropping off the kids. Bless her, Angelica and Paula. It's really nice that they get an ending, really, and that. They chose to have Mary, like, take them there. And also love Mary saying skedaddle. Fucking love that word. Yes. It's a great word. It should be used more often. Ugh, it's just so sweet and, like, wholesome. And when they're like, oh, do you want to come with us? And she's like, no, I've got a job to do. But, like, she's done her, like, good deed along the way. And I just, especially this week, for a lot of people in the UK, we all just want a Mary to take us back to our families. And that's what we've got to see happen on a screen. And... We love Mary forever. We basically. do. We do. We say it every week, but it doesn't change. We do. Lyra and Will's conversation as well is also like just the pinnacle of Lyra and Will this episode. Like the conversations that they're having, their relationship's really, really strong here. Like Amir and Daphne like have really brought the best out of each other acting wise, I think. I think that we might have said this before, but I think season one Lyra, although Daphne was great in season one, in season two it feels like she's really been brought out of her shell a bit by Will. And vice versa for Amir as well, because, like, obviously, we didn't see him interact with, like, many people in season one, but he's definitely come into his own in season two. Definitely. It's really nice to see them having... Because, you know, they're still having differing opinions on, like, the witches and whether they're staying with the witches and all this kind of stuff. And then they're also just so on the same page about stuff. So, like, they're having this conversation about, oh, where are they going next? What are they doing? But then Lyra's also like, but to cut to a really emotional moment, I did overhear the conversation you had with Pan last night and it's like, oh, I'm, get, I'm just going to go and cry again. <laughs> yeah. Then we get an interesting scene with Mrs. Coulter, Lena or Lana, the witch, in Will and Lyra's house. Oh my God, this scene is everything. This scene is the epitome of a witch being like, excuse me, there's these spectral things you need to worry about. And then Mrs. Coulter being like, what? These guys, my best friends. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, it's such a fucking tense scene. Fucking the monkey and the bird for one. I really like her demon. I don't know what kind of bird it's that beautiful. is. beautiful. It looks like a stork or a crane of some mm. kind. It's a really beautiful. nice, yeah, a really nice demon. And then just the monkey, like being an absolute little prick to it. And just like slamming it down, but then there's that bit where it like it's scared of the spectre and it just like holds it out to the spectre. Just a big round of applause to like Russell and the team of VFX people because oh my goodness. I think we described it as like beautiful and brutal at the same time because that imagery of the stalk with the spectre like swirling around it and like almost like drowning in a spectre. It was like the Japanese painting of the Great Wave. And it was like beautiful and horrific all at the same time. And like, just, I just can't even explain it. I was like captivated and horrified all at the same time. And yeah, ugh, it's just everything. 
Yeah, and we finally get the name that Frau Parvel should have bloody said the last episode and couldn't fucking spit it out. I kind of feel like, I, I don't mean to sound like uh, rude toward this witch that gets expected, but she gave it up a bit too easily. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe. It, it kind of shows how scary the spectres are. Yeah. But I was just thinking about that other poor witch that got tortured at the very beginning and wouldn't say it. I know there were no spectres involved there, but I mean, I I would probably give it up as well if I was in the same situation. I'm not saying that I'm some... I'm very brave and I wouldn't give it up. I definitely would. If somebody could sign me up to have Cole to interrogate me, I would, any day, I, I would give it up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Amazing. Everybody give it up for Coulter. Thank you very much. Again, Mrs. Coulter, when she's kind of like right up in the witch's face and like, she is my daughter. I have a right to know about my daughter. And that like possessive, like motherliness and fierceness. I really felt that through the screen. Like I really like, yeah, just another bloody massive round of applause for Ruth Wilson. And then the beautifulness of the witch when she's like, she does an amazing job of the like blankness and the life going out of her face in that moment when you like it's it's confirmed if a spectre attacks your demon you have officially been spectred that was an interesting thing i didn't i mean i don't know if that's in the book but i didn't it makes sense it makes total sense but yeah it's an interesting one also like Coulter does a lot of like talking to the monkey this episode and it's just it's very just highlights her self-hatred um and how she's like conflicted uh, on the inside and just the, her setting the spectre on the monkey and, and it's probably one of my favorite shots of the monkey actually like where he's like cowering in the corner and he like lifts his arm up oh god it's heartbreaking that monkey is going through so much really is so much and again all beautifully done and i really want to actually this is a thing to find out about all the monkey noises because he's doing so many amazing little grumbles this episode and like little little monkey noises that are like are so emotive and hating him and then loving him and feeling so much empathy and like pity for him when Colt is being so harsh to him Ugh, when she's doesn't she tell him to like snap out of it or like stop whining stop whimpering she says oh but also it's the fact that she's doing that to herself like she's seen that if the spectre did actually get the monkey she's literally just been like nose to nose with seeing what actually would happen to her or would it? I don't know. One thing that's probably too big of a subject for us to properly dig into, we'd have to have more of a think about it, but I just want to bring it up here. haven't really thought about it before. It might be really obvious. Equating her attacking the monkey in terms of like she kicks it this episode, which we'll talk about, and she's like hit it before. Equating that to self-harm. It's a really big thing and it's a really interesting dynamic that they've definitely amped up in the TV series significantly. And I think there is a lot to be spoken about there, about the line that she's running between self-discipline and self-harm and the fact that that is a line that is a scary one and a thin one and seeing all of these interactions with the monkey and feeling all of these emotions that we get to feel about the both of them. It's really hard and there's a lot to unpick. It's definitely a lot to unpick. And it's a question I desperately want to ask Ruth Wilson and all of the writing team about where they delved into that. Definitely, definitely, absolutely. Ruth Wilson, if you're listening to this, please come on the podcast. We'd love to have you on. Also, Jack Thorne, you as well. <laughs> please. You please. too. <laughs> please come on the podcast. We have so many questions for you. We see Lyra and Ruta meet for the first time. We don't get much of them together, but it, it was nice to have that little moment with them in the final episode. And the fact that Ruta just immediately, you know, she's like, and you're Lyra Balakwa. And it's like, okay, cool. Everybody knows my name. This is a conversation that we spoke about a little bit earlier with Serafina and Ruta talking about Asriel that probably came from the scrapped COVID episode. And I think somebody in the Discord said that they were the way that they're talking and their like body language towards each other, it's like their exes. Definitely. That was that vibe massively, wasn't it? Love it. My main question is, Serafina knows about the knife and fears the knife. And Ruta has mentioned the Asahetra and that that is what Asriel needs. And that is what she's going to go and look for. And Serafina is like, I'm going to stick with Lyra and Will. And Ruta makes some kind of snide comment about chaperoning somebody, chaperoning somebody, which can do one. <laughs> but Seraphine is like, you go look for the Asahetra. Does she 
know the knife is a- the Ace of Hetra? Does she have a feeling the knife is the Ace of Hetra and she's setting Ruta on the other path because she doesn't want to, like, because she's protecting Lyra and Will? Or is she just like, you do you, I'll do me? I don't think that they do know it's the same thing. I don't think Serafina knows. I don't think anybody knows. Except for Joppery. Yeah, that's just a vibe I got. I could be wrong. I don't know. I feel like if it was supposed to be that Serafina knew, there'd be more work done to, like, put us on that track like maybe more in her face like more in the words that she's saying that like leads us down that path because i feel like it was very straight down the line like it's etc and the knife and we don't know the same thing i didn't think there was much in there that like alluded to that seraphina knew i could be wrong i could have just not picked up on the signs but that was my thinking behind it yeah i just wondered if there was like a slight feeling to it of Serafina having an inkling and deliberately sending Ruta off in order to protect the kids but really interested to know like what everyone else thought of that moment because it's hard when you've read the books and you know that a thing is a thing to keep track in the series of who knows what about what <laughs> oh god yeah I mean classic me I don't remember any of the shit so <laughs> yeah <laughs> from the books I'm just like cool I- I'm like watching this series as if I've already if I- as if I've never read the books it's great there's a shot of each of them of Seraphina and of Ruta with fire in front of their faces because they're talking over a fire and it looks really beautiful like the flickering like flames in front of their faces it was a really nice shot also they really needed to kiss at that last minute when they like do a little weird handshake hold hand thing oh and they're like goodbye forever potentially yeah they definitely should have kissed yeah <laughs> It would have been epic. Cut to Lee and Joppery walking through the woods. We've had a very brief little clip of them earlier where between balloon crash and now where it was like, oh, it looks like they're being followed. And this is a definite confirmation. They're definitely being followed. They look up and Joppery goes, that's not my demon. And we know the Magisterium are chasing them. And this is about to get really real. How the hell is that demon flying so far away from his person? Very true. Very true. For one. (laughs) I would just like to say that as soon as they started running from the Magisterium, I started crying and didn't stop until the end of the episode. Cool, 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 cool. Sounds, seems about right. Seems like a measured response. <laughs> totally. Yep, 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 yep. I'm fine. It's fine. Yeah, Lee gets shot in the leg and shouts to Joppery to keep going and that he'll cover. Lee keeps getting shot every time. I'm like, <laughs> it just, it, it hurts. It hurts us. God damn it. <sighs> We cut again. This is the thing, isn't it? Like you were saying at the beginning, they cut between everything so fast. You don't get time to feel any emotions. And you just don't, you're so tense. You just feel really tense because you don't know. The thing for the people who read the books, the thing that you know is going to happen, you don't know when. So like every time it cuts back to Lee and Joppery, you're like, is this it? Is this it? Brace myself, brace myself. And then it's not. It's very stressful. (laughs) But before we get there, we get more of Mrs. Coulter talking to the monkey. And this is a really great scene between the two of them. And I just want to provide a little bit of comic relief here because she kicks it up the ass. And oh my God. I screamed for one, but it reminds me of Father Ted. Have you, have you seen Father Ted? Episodes here and there. Yeah. There's an episode of Father Ted where the whole point of the episode is him kicking this bishop up the ass. This bishop bends over and he kicks him up the ass. And then it's a whole thing about like he lies about doing it and then somebody like makes a big picture of it happening so the bishop finds out anyway she kicked it up the ass and every time that happens in anything because like throughout the episode of father ted they keep saying you kick bishop brennan up the ass as soon as she did that i was like she fucking kicked bishop brennan up the ass didn't she (laughs) (laughs) oh that poor monkey again some brilliant monkey. monkey grumblings coming from him like those noises it's the closest I think we're ever going to get to hearing him speak and I love it and I just want to give him a big hug and the toxicity of that relationship is really real in that moment when she kicks him and then immediately is like down on the floor next to him and it's it almost for her feels seems like this struggle between it's almost like she feels she has to choose between Lyra and her demon and it's like that's not a thing but it's a thing that she's imposed on herself and she's like if you're not with me and with her then you're against us and I'm against you and it's like he's your demon you can't be that divided in yourself and it's such a beautiful conflict to like play out on the screen yeah this whole conversation between the two of them is just straight up Coulter hating herself like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she she's berating herself for having some doubts about going after Lyra because obviously that's what we're seeing in the monkey like she like you said she's saying to the monkey like if you're not 
with Lyra, then you're not with me. But the we like sometimes I forget that the monkey is her. So these thoughts of doubts that the monkey is showing are coming from her. Yeah. So like she's got this like conflict inside her. And then like after she kicks it when she like touches it and strokes it and like comforts it. I don't know if you got this feeling, but like she closes her eyes and for me, like I could kind of see that she's it wasn't that wasn't a comfortable thing for her to do. Mm. Like she felt very uncomfortable, like in that situation, like touching the monkey like that. Are we talking about how sometimes self care is really hard? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I feel that. I would like to say that uh, Coulter at the top of the tower with the spectre swirling all around her. I'd like that as my new screensaver, please. Yes, and I would please like for if anybody listening makes stained glass windows, uh, if anyone would like to make me a stained glass window of a beefcake angel with uh, each individual ab as a different pane of the window, just like the one that Colt is standing by, I'd I'd be okay with that. I'll I'll give you my address and you can post that to me because, sure, thanks. It'd be nice. It would <laughs> it's be iconic. Nice. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Um, also with the spectres, um, if you remember a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about why the spectres could fly and Jack Thorne said it would be made clear in episode seven. And I think that scene with Colter is what Jack was talking about because it just looked great. It looked so good. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's everything. I love it. It's beautiful. It's a finale kind of moment, you know? Mm, absolutely. And if anyone's going to do it with style, it's going to be Mrs. Coulter. Definitely, Ugh. yeah. Yes. We then go back to to Lee and Joffrey. And no, stop making I'm, me go back. I'm then. sorry, I'm sorry. The Magisterium soldiers remind me of those like green toy soldiers on, on Toy Story. Do you know which ones I mean? Yeah, I was thinking they had like a very strong like nazi uniform vibe yeah tbh that too yeah the helmets very much give off that aesthetic it is i mean i guess they have been a lot of this time all the way through especially with their like submarines and zeppelins and the repetitive usage of a particular symbol seems to strike heavily with us (laughs) yeah yeah true um so this is the scene where we get lee deciding to basically stay and die which kills me. He says, I love that little girl like a daughter. And Joffrey is like, you're a good man, Mr. Scoresby. And they have a little handshake. And they should have had a kiss, but they don't. Joffrey doesn't deserve a kiss. It's fine. I've, I'm i not a big fan of him this episode, TBH. I agree. I agree. Um, and it just it just gets sad from here on, it, here on out, really, doesn't it? There's like so much more before we even get to the actual bit with Lee because they're just doesn't happen yet they're just pulling us from pillar to post and we don't get to spend that much time with anybody Mm -hmm. because we cut immediately to Lyra and Pan and having a lovely conversation about the fact that they might be changing and that Pan's a little bit scared of that and Pan asks is Will changing us a little bit and Lyra's like I think he might be that feeling when you have like the first beginnings of like a little bit of a crush on someone and you're like oh god is am i growing up <laughs> like yeah oh, it's everything i feel like yeah those feelings as well it makes you like it is definitely the first signs of growing up like it really makes you feel like you're like a a, a person i know that sounds really stupid but like as a kid you're just a kid and you're going around doing all this stuff as a kid and you don't care about anyone else and like you don't have to think about these like big life things but as soon as you start like getting those like romantic feelings it's like there's now another person in your life that you have feelings for which are totally new Mm -hmm. totally like what's the word just like unknown and it's like you're having to deal with this like completely new side of yourself it's one of those things where it's like interesting and sad but also lovely at the same time to see Lyra go through it because I think adults have a thing where they want kids to stay kids because they know that like when you grow up that's when life gets a bit shit because you're an adult and you have responsibilities but it's also like lovely at the same time because she's like coming into herself and she's like realizing these things about herself just imagine being able to have that conversation with yourself at that age as well yeah of like we're growing up I'm scared to grow up but I'm also excited about it but and just being able to like so seeing Mrs. Coulter and the monkey interacting is like seeing an external 
thing of an internal conflict and it's the same with like lyra and pan it's like an external visual conversational representation of like an internal conversations that all teenagers probably have with themselves yeah it's just beautiful it really is and pan saying i don't think i'm ready for things to change and then lyra saying i don't think anyone ever is hit a little too close to home for me right now i'm not gonna lie (laughs) yeah oh (laughs) hdm please stop poking us right in the fucking feels i know (laughs) i know we have like a little bit of respite here as well because we have mary reading her books in a cave oh she's like properly i feel like she's the kind of person that could just nest anywhere like she looks really comfy and cozy there with like everything spread out around her and like just i feel like yeah she could just make herself comfy anywhere definitely yeah and i love the little petals that keep appearing near her wonder what they could mean then we go back to lee and it is time for me to cry (laughs) yep um if anyone was worried about the fact that they might not do this really intense scene from the books justice well never never worry because they've essentially pulled lee and hester's last moments from the page um yeah scripted it almost exactly as it is in the books and uh just smushed our hearts into tiny little pieces uh thanks thanks a lot for that uh yeah yeah hester just fucking absolutely wiped the floor with me in this scene like she's really upset like she thinks it's her fault the voice acting yeah. The way that her little voice breaks. Christella Alonza does a fucking amazing job. Yeah. She's like, she's trying to keep him positive and then she breaks. She says it's her fault. I'm just like, why do they want me to go through pain? I just don't understand. And then. Just like when we know he's shot in the leg and you get that second shot in the shoulder and it cuts to Hester and she does like a little stumble. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts. And, and we still don't even fucking get to the end of it then because he's knows it's the end and he pulls out the little bit of cloud pine and he calls for seraphina and it's like okay it's a little bit late in the game but also he probably thought it, it is a last ditch effort because he thought Seraphina's in a completely different world he doesn't know that she's like three doors down like oh it just hurts that it's so late in the game that he pulls the thing out and then Serafina feels him calling and says to Lyra, Lee Scoresby needs my help. And it just fucking shows how amazing Daphne and Lynn's relationship is and Lyra and Lee's relationship is that immediately Lyra's like, go to him, go, you have to go, go now. Why haven't you already gone? Go, he needs you, go. I really like um, when Serafina received the call, um, the way that they shot it like the movement that she does and like the sound effect that goes with it is really beautiful it feels like and it is obviously coming from within but it feels like it's coming from like a real like deep deepness of her like it's so beautiful but she doesn't make it in time we see hester on the floor we see her saying uh where help him lyra and then oh god we see lee die it's it's like I'm very upset right now. It's you see the way that his eyes go blank, and then you see, like in the corner of the screen, like Hester turning into dust and like fading away, and it's just horrible. And I'm very upset. It's horrible, and it's beautifully done. It um, really is. They've broken our hearts with such care and attention to detail that. I love them for it and I hate them for it. Um, I am eternally grateful that we had the opportunity to talk to Lin-Manuel Miranda about this scene yeah. um, and about how it was to do this. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear that because it was even quite emotional talking to him about it, to be honest. Yeah. And um, then getting to like watch that with everybody again and then watch it again to make my notes. Um, so my heart has officially been broken at least three times just by this TV series within the past 24 hours um and it yeah just beautiful and really well done and what an iconic what an iconic character and what an iconic performance yeah i think we need to do a little round of applause for for lin-manuel miranda yeah everybody clap 
Yay. Doesn't matter if people are looking at you funny when you're like walking around or doing what you're doing. Mm. Just just give a little clap. Just do it. I mean, you all know me. You know that his portrayal of Lee has been my favourite for these entire two series. And I'm lucky enough to have had the chance to tell Lin-Manuel Miranda that in our interview, which you'll hear. But I'm just really sad. Like, I just am. Like, I'm very, very, like, emotionally moved by that scene and Mm -hmm. I just they did such a beautiful job of it and I'll be forever grateful for that and the care that was taken to do that right um, because they really did do it right Mm -hmm. bye bye Lee goodbye Lee our precious sweet Lee Scoresby I feel like they knew that after a moment like that we needed a little bit of hope and a little bit of conflict so cutting to Will kind of feeling this call from Joppery mm-hmm. and then oh just fucking off and leaving Lyra with the witch because it's okay she's got the witch to protect her right except for that doesn't work because the world is full of spectres and you've got the fucking knife Will Yeah, that's... what are you doing yeah that's really bad so aside from the fact that it's incredibly poor judgement on his part to not wake Lyra up and take the group with him we get to have this brilliant interaction before we get to Will and Joppery, just very quickly, I really like the misdirect because we have Coulter walking around the cliffs at this point and you think that Will's going to run into Coulter. And I really like yes. that little misdirect that they do, but Will actually runs in to Joppery, his daddy. Yeah, he knows. Well, I, ju- I love the way that he finds out that he's his dad and that unlike perhaps in the books, it's a, that little bit earlier and it's more immediate. And so he gets to have that confrontation with his dad where he actually does fucking call him out on his bullshit. And I'm so here for it yes. where he's like, do you even know how hard it was for me and my mum? Did you even care about mum? Mm. Do you even, and like he, Joffrey says something about his duty and Will is like, your duty was to be a father. And like, oh, I just, I love it. And I needed that like, moment of feeling righteous with Will and indignant against Joppery because like yeah essentially Will comes out looking very good at the end of this and Joppery comes out looking pretty ambiguous to say the least. I really love that he holds him to account for everything it would have been really easy for him to have like run into his arms and being like oh my god dad but he doesn't do that and it really shows Will's strength it's um we knew that Will was strong but I think this really really highlights how strong he is mm-hmm. and um, Joppery being like I'm sorry but look how far you've come you're the knife bearer and he clearly feels some kind of sense of personal accomplishment for Will being the knife bearer and it's kind of got nothing to do with him and also I'm sorry but is not I'm sorry Yeah, I'm sorry should end there Definitely. and it leaves you with the impression that he has some amends to perhaps make and some some kind of thing that he needs to do to make this up to Will which he kind of does when he takes a bullet for him yeah but then like it doesn't it doesn't really make up for years of not being no. there does it like <laughs> it really doesn't <laughs> I think like this is what you were getting at but like the line of like look what you've become without me it just feels like oh Sasa wasn't there but I'm gonna try and deflect it by saying you turned out okay anyway so job well done and it's like no no <laughs> I'll take a little bit of credit for that after yeah. the fact, shall I? Yeah, exactly. No. no. <laughs> I just want to say, like, Amir and his fucking tears and his perfect acting, what a talent he is. Like, he mm-hmm. is already doing great things here, but I think that he's going to go on to do amazingly great things. Um, he's such a talent. And also, um, when Will says, I don't want to, I hate it, I don't want anything to do with any of this, I'm like, mate, I feel that on a daily fucking basis. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of feelings about adulting, isn't it? <laughs> totally, yeah. And um, Joppery saying the fate of many worlds may rest on you. How many times have we heard that over the course of both of the seasons? Just a few, just yeah, a couple. A lot, it's fine. A lot. <laughs> yeah. I so I wanted to ask actually, like, there's a bit where Will's like he kind of like comes to terms with the fact that he's a knife bearer and that he needs to do this thing, and then he says to Joppery, um, and then we go home. Joppery's reaction is like super 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 sad yeah does he know like does he know that he can't go back or like does he know like something that I don't know I can't remember from the book like or is he just sad 
I think he's just that. I don't know. Again, goldfish memory. It might be relevant from the books, but I think it's yeah. just, yeah, it's well yeah. done and sad. <laughs> so, like you said, Joppery takes a bullet for, wo- for Will. Um, we get to hear one more line, one more word from Phoebe Waller-Bridge when she shouts, Joppery! <laughs> It's so interesting. Like, I wonder why, why didn't we hear more from her? Like, was it a timing scheduling thing? Like, was she only available for like a very short amount of time? Did she have more lines, but they cut them? Uh, I wonder what happened there because we were super excited about getting Phoebe Waller-Bridge and we really didn't get that much of her at all. I wonder if her and Joppery would have featured, or her and Andrew Scott slash Joppery and Sayan Couture would have featured potentially in that lost COVID episode at all. I don't know. But in perhaps cutting out that episode, they had to cut out other scenes that would have included them and built out that story yeah. of the knife a little bit more. Because how true. does Joppery find out about the knife? How does he know? True. Like, maybe that's there. But, yeah. Well, Joppery is dead. Will's devastated. It's a sad death, but... But still nicks his jacket. <laughs> still takes his jacket. Literally takes his mantle. Um... Yes, we love it. Has his own, like, sassy hood put-up moment, which I love. Yes. Inherited from father to son, the sassy hood putting up. <laughs> How do you feel about Joppery's death? Did you think it was done well? I felt like it made sense. It's a very different moment from mm. the moment that's manufactured in the books. Because in the books, it is all given to you and then ripped away within the space of, like, two heartbeats. And it's too much to handle in one go because it's everything all at once and this is like a slightly longer moment we get to have will have the realization that's his father and have more of a conversation and it feels more like there's like a little bit of closure Mm -hmm. between them even though that isn't because he's still taken away too soon and having his his like death be from random magisterium bad guy but Mm -hmm. in order to save Mm -hmm. will's life feels right for this interpretation definitely um, it's different from the books. We don't get a random vengeful witch, but I'm also kind of glad about that in terms of like the witches are doing a really great job of being a force for good in the TV series. We haven't got a lot of ambiguity from them. So having it not be from a witch is nice in that way because it's keeping the witches like this big force for good. What about you? I liked it. My only thing was that like, I've heard a lot of people say that like they're glad it wasn't the witch that did it. But there's part of me that's like, I wanted it to be a bit more personal like him getting killed by a random magisterian person just didn't feel like enough like i wanted like if we'd have start ever established that witch in earlier episodes i kind of would have liked it i think for her to have done it or even if he could have got uh, i guess it wouldn't work because will has the knife but if he could have mm. got like spected by one of Colter's specters that's at least someone that's yeah close at hand and not so anonymous i think the thing that i liked a lot about it is that it was like fucking Lee's dead and then like less than a few minutes later Joffrey's dead like I did like that kind of everyone's fucking dead like aspect of it it's very Les Mis in a way everyone fucking dies in Les Mis as well don't they we see Serafina seeing Deadly which is um, almost too much for me to take and it made me think of you guys will hear this when you listen to the Lynn interview but Lynn mentioned that the BBC have a thing about eyes open or closed for death scenes and he couldn't remember, like they had to film it both ways and he couldn't remember whether the BBC allowed like eyes open when being dead or closed. But we see both. I wonder if it's because the second shot when his eyes are closed, Mm. he's been dead for a period of time and the BBC doesn't want eyes open after that period of time or something. I wonder whether it's the same for the let us know if you're watching on hbo like did you get a shot of lee with his with his eyes open when he first died and then when seraphina comes to him his eyes are closed or are they open for both times have they done like two different edits like one Mm. for the bbc and one for hbo tell us let us know so fascinating i want to know (laughs) and then we're coming towards the end here and there's like a little bit of a montage of like everyone like seraphina flying back from seeing Lee, we get to see Yorick, who is super duper pissed about global warming. I'll say that. He is not happy about seeing his like ice kingdom fall into bits. And we get a voiceover and I have to say that I would recognise James McAvoy's voice anyway, so I was immediately like, it's Hasriel. Um but I bet it was quite nice to be like, oh my god, who is that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
and kind of have that epic moment where it's revealed that it's him. I love that it's like a little montage, it's a little, and here's the epic journeys that all of our characters are beginning to embark on from our different things. Did we miss the fact that Coulter woke Lyra up? We did, yeah, we did, we missed it. And that witch got spected, then it just kind of cut away, and we were like, oh, okay, what's happening there? And then in the monologue montage, we get to see Coulter kind of with a mysteriously large suitcase. I mean, it's large, but it's not large enough for a human girl uh, to be in. No, it's definitely not. It's a good thing Pan was in a small form. Oh, did you see Pan's little ear twitch when he was asleep? Oh, he's so sleepy. It's so sweet. Asriel delivering this monologue, and at the end of the monologue being like, if anyone's even listening. And it's like, are you really going to deliver a monologue if you don't know if anyone's listening? Because it's yeah. A, why are you doing it if you think nobody's listening? B, why are you arrogant enough to assume everyone's listening when you're just standing in the middle of nowhere shouting into the <laughs> void and just assuming that you're important enough that people are listening to you? <laughs> the audacity of Azrael. Oh, no. I loved it, but... He just say like, I know you're there, right? He just say that at one point. He's like, I know you're yeah. there. But yeah, no, totally. Of course Azrael would do that. It's such a fucking Azrael thing to do. Um, yeah. The thing is as well with this, it's like, I pretty much totally agree with what he's saying, like, about like, talks about caring and truth and like acceptance and like living in a world with like without the magisterium and blah 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 like we agree with that shit we do but i still hate him like you can't talk about like caring and truth and acceptance yet he left his daughter to fend for herself when she was a baby and then treated her like shit for an entire life like cool it's that as real droppery parallel that we keep getting of like they very much seem to care about just the big picture mm. and if the little picture gets lost along the way, that doesn't matter. But when the little picture consists of your child that you're neglecting, that's not okay. That should be a bigger picture for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I would like to point out with the with a lot of love that I think you can tell that this scene was quite hastily put together in terms of how it looks. I feel like it's it looks quite obvious that uh, James McAvoy is on a green screen, but I think for like the rest of the shots in the episode and throughout the season, it's usually very difficult to tell that things are green screen. Hmm. I just wondered if it was because it was such a foreign environment that he's in front of, if that makes sense. What I think it probably was is if they had to like film it just after lockdown they probably wouldn't have had time to build sets mm -hmm. or like to build anything for him to be there on. And I think that if they'd have had more time, they probably would have built at least some set pieces to like have around him to like ground it in like a reality of some sorts. Whereas I think yeah. that all of it is green screened. And I think maybe that's the difference because like, wait, like throughout the series, we're used to seeing things that we obviously know of VFX, but it's always grounded with actual things that people can touch. So I think maybe that's it. Yeah, this is much more like fantasy background painting on a green screen vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did quite like the visuals, the slight shimmery visual that we got of something very angelic showing up and how that looked with them like, like yeah, like a, a meteor shower almost. Yes, with the I love that. Do appear. That was lovely and epic and like it felt appropriately finale worthy and appropriately... Give us a season three, please, worthy. <laughs> I loved the noise, like when they like yeah. when it started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. So good. So good. And then that's it. We see like Mrs. Coulter like stroke Lyra's face and then close the trunk, saying that she's gonna be safe. Oh my and then God. that's the end. Or is it? Or is it? Because if you sit all the way through the credits, you might hear a long forgotten voice. Oh, it's Roger. Roger. I took a screenshot of like our Discord chat because we all just screamed like Roger at the same time. Roger, like, Roger. So sweet and so lovely to see Roger again. Justice for Roger. We love Roger. But yeah, that's such an interesting thing to end on, right? Yes. Yes. So excited. Where is Roger? Where is Lyra? What a lovely little bit. Yeah. Where is Roger? How is Lyra able to speak to Roger? Yeah. What is happening? I love it. <sighs> Me too. Me too. I am quite frankly devastated that yeah. this is the end of the episode. <laughs> I, yeah, me too. 
I think for me, I don't know if it's because the stakes are slightly higher in the subtle knife and then again in the amber spyglass and Northern Lights is like a nice little intro to the series. Obviously horrible things happen in Northern Lights, but things get a bit more serious throughout like subtle knife and amber spyglass. And I wonder if it's that, but I I loved this season. Like I think the like the portrayal of like our favorite characters were done so well and the immersion that came through was like much more in depth than season one um and i feel like everything about the series was stepped up for season two they like mm-hmm. pulled out all the fucking stops which is why i think like we'd really like to say like thank you to all the people that made it happen during like such a difficult year yeah <laughs> i can't can't imagine like how difficult it must have been to get a season ready for airing when you can't be in the same room as each other you can't walk into somebody's office and have a chat about a certain thing that needs to happen like it must have been so fucking difficult and yeah just thank you to everyone involved because it really has been like a highlight of our year like watching the series absolutely it really has being able to sit and watch this series chat to our patrons on our discord channel even just the fact that we've in a lot of ways thanks to lockdown we've managed to have a chat with so many of the cast and crew that have worked so hard on this and get to have that sneak sneak peek behind the scenes and hear about how hard everyone has worked to get this to us just makes us so much more grateful for it in this year where we've needed something a bit joyful even if this last episode has devastated us completely (laughs) yeah yeah exactly beautiful just uh, i don't know what i'm gonna do for two years probably just watch it again and again and again (laughs) yeah yeah three times was not enough (laughs) maybe i'll think that in a couple of months but right now i'm like it definitely is enough i can't bear to watch that again (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'll just pick out the nice happy episodes (laughs) Mm, yeah absolutely a long time before we get season three excited to carry on with the book episodes in between we might actually end up we might have already done the amber spyglass we probably will have already done the amber spyglass when we get this uh, the next season of the tv show so that'll be fun for once in our lives being ahead of the game you've got to be joking (laughs) no that's fine it just means that by then we'll have managed to forget everything that we already read because we are goldfish (laughs) exactly exactly how did you feel about the season as a whole write in and tell us yeah tell tell us what you thought about season two as a whole yeah we'd love to hear your thoughts what did you think about season two as a whole rich like you're saying i feel like it's you know how the first when you're reading the first book i felt like i grew up with the books and the books grew with me and like book one is like fantasy and fun and scary at times but quite straight down the line simple enough and then book two is where it gets more complex we get more characters and it's kind of felt that way with the tv series and so i've really enjoyed the complexity of season two and like the crossing over the worlds and the drama and being able to like explore those like character relationships and being given some like beautiful gifts from the writing team has been fantastic like who'd have thought we'd get to see lee scoresby and mrs coulter in the same room who'd have thought yeah who'd have thought we'd yeah. get to see mary and mrs coulter in the same room it's so exciting it's so beautiful and it's just i'm really sad that it's over but i'm really glad that we've had it because we definitely needed it this year and yeah oh phenomenal season Daphne Keen Amy Wilson take a bow Ruth Wilson take a bow everybody take a bow (laughs) yes (laughs) yes absolutely we would love to know what you at home thought about the series as a whole we've really enjoyed it and we've really enjoyed watching it with you so please we love an email write in tell us what you thought about the series we're putting together a mailbag episode over in our book episodes and I'm sure that having more conversations about the tv series would be an excellent addition to that so do feel free to send us an email at herdoutmaterialspod at gmail.com we're still running the old review giveaway so if you wanted to include your thoughts about the series along with your screenshot of your review to enter our giveaway to win some herdoutmaterialspod merch that would also be amazing and you can send that over to herdoutmaterialspod at gmail.com as well yeah send us your emails give us five stars say nice things we love to see it yes 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 thanks so much for listening to this episode of herd art materials you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook at hdmpod and you can email us at herdartmaterialspod at gmail.com 
You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not crying about my dear darling Lee, you can find me hanging out on Twitter and Instagram at Faye which is F-A-Y-E-L-E triple Y. And if you want to read some of my old blog posts, I'm on Medium at Faye.Ducker. I'm Rachel, oh, and I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about Lyra and Pan and having a good old cry. I'm making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at Rachemakes, on Twitter at Rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, rachemakes.co.uk. A huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings. And we'll see you soon. And don't forget, keep telling stories. And all will be well. Merry Christmas, bye! <laughs> Merry Christmas, bye! Bye, 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 bye!